From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth Podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. David Fiorazzo today with Pastor Chris Quintana, Mary Danielson, and we are getting ready to dive into some things that um, might not get a lot of press and might not be discussed even in the Christian church. So um, things including prophecy, politics, uh, Joe Biden, Gog, Magog, Sedan, artificial intelligence, and population control perhaps, but we're going to talk about that on Monday. But Mary... Um, you look good. You look like you're a little rested and your back's a little better. How yes. are things going with the Prophecy Conference? And tell us about registration and how that works. Yes, the Spring Great Lakes Prophecy Conference opens today, and uh, registration starts at 10 a.m. And you can register. You don't have to be there at 10. You can register any time today. Say you got to work and you can't come till later. No problem. We got gotcha. you even tomorrow morning because tomorrow morning is a 12-hour day. So... Uh, I mean, f- yes, Saturday. What day is it? Help. Today's Friday. Yes, today's Friday. So Saturday is a, is a huge part of the conference. Saturday is the, the long day. So uh, mm-hmm. you can register at the door uh, over there in Appleton. And we are really excited. And our guest today, we, he is kicking off the conference. The first session is at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock today, Pastor Chris Quintana. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure yeah, to absolutely. O- open it up. And you're going to close it Sunday morning. Yeah. Wait, I'm up first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, so you were, you were in Madison, was it Wednesday night? Wednesday night, yeah. So my uh, my normal Wisconsin trip is to come in on uh, Wednesday and go spend the uh, the evening with the, the fine people at the Calvary Chapel there in, in Madison and then go out to Manitowoc on Thursday nights. And then uh, if the if the opportunity presents itself to be here with you guys on mm-hmm. Friday morning. It and Jeff, Jeff will be with us, too. Yeah, so absolutely. Madison, Calvary Chapel, Madison, yep. Jeff, he's also on Q90. He'll be uh, speaking. 320 today, to Jeff Solwald <laughs> after T.A. McMahon. And then tonight, uh, Tommy Ice. Yes. And tomorrow I will open it up and talk about the assault on the biblical truth of Imago Dei, the image of God, mm. the rebellion. It's really Looking amazing. Forward to it. well, yeah. Looking forward to it. Light um, topic. Yeah. Uh, Rob Yardley, Tommy Ice, Jeff Solwald, Rob Yardley, T.A. McMahon, Saturday. Big day, Saturday. And, the, and then the Brat Fry. I'm sorry, Brat Fry. Yes. For Haiti. For Haiti. <laughs> Correct. Um, you know what? Before we open up the topics today, Pastor Chris, I want to throw you a curve. I just oh, no. thought of something. <laughs> it's not a... And we're talking to Chuck Gerard next week. Yes. What did you think about Jesus' revolution? Did you see it? Uh, yes, I did. Um, you know... I, it's another one of those examples where you just go when when artistic or creative license actually gets to the point where you you lose some of the history or you embellish things to the point where it, it isn't even resembling the the actual events that becomes kind of frustrating mm. so you know get, are there are there some things in it that you go well, this is really cool you know it, it just mm-hmm. reminds you of what it was like at the time and all that um, I came into the movement later than every every uh, one else that that's in the movie. But I know a lot of the people who were there, and I've asked questions. Mm. And then so watching the movie, it's like, mm-hmm. that's not how that went. That's not how that went. And <laughs> yeah. then you, know, you become a critic. And, yeah, it's uh, – if people don't know the history, they're not going to be so tripped up by the inaccuracies yes. Yes. in it. So, you know a lot yeah. of people that were there, and you know a lot of things, like Mary probably does too, um, and some pastors – 
that know understand what was happening. There are some things about Pastor Chuck. Uh, my my thing right now, I, I baptizing the feet and saying uh, in the in the name yeah. of the Father, Son, and baptize these feet. Uh, there's things that Pastor Chuck did not do, from what I understand. Um, but overall, people have raved about it. People are really thrilled that another faith-based movie has done very well at the box office. And they have been all year long and for many years. But Hollywood won't get the message, of course. They don't want to get the message. But they do really well, even if it's artistic license. Mm-hmm. And we won't talk about The Chosen because we want to maintain our audience through the podcast today. <laughs> um, but where do we want to start? Um, I had, I think I misplaced my notes about... Uh, Joe Biden's approval rating. Uh, you know what? I don't need the notes to talk about it, but I have no idea where I put them. Thirty-seven um, percent. And Pastor Chris, I'll just say, um, and I want to get your take on this too, my co-host uh, Mary. I've always predicted that ninety-five percent of those who vote Democrat will vote for whoever has a D behind their name. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. So. I look at these, and uh, you know, the people that are really into politics are going, "Yeah, rock bottom." Approve Biden's approval rating only thirty-seven percent. First of all, who are the thirty-seven that approve the anyway the decline and the destruction of uh, our nation? But you're thinking, okay, so these people will go back and they'll vote for whoever next man up. So when you see the headlines, hey, even the Democrats, some Democrats, a majority don't want Biden to run again. Who cares? Because whoever, anyway, what are your thoughts on that? Well, of course, like you, explain the 37%. What, <laughs> yeah. what world are you living well, in? Well, so some people really want socialism, and they really hate America that much. And they don't really care how you get there. And, I mean, let, let's just be honest and try not to be uncharitable, but as far as the president's concerned, he's not in control of anything. It's mm-hmm. the people who are behind him yeah. seeing Susan Rice you know, make her exit, which is really pretty interesting. But she's one of the people behind the scenes that has done just untold amounts of damage to the country all the way back to the Obama years. So when I look at uh, at at 37 percent, you wonder how accurate that actually is. How many people are going to say, you know, oh, he's doing a fine job just to sound like you're not some angry person living out in the suburbs somewhere. But um, if you were actually to ask those 37 percent, what has he done that you're so happy with? They're going to be really stuck for an answer. I think so, too, because the economy is affecting everybody, yeah. unless you're a wealthy globalist elite. Yeah. Mary, Mary, what do you think? Yeah, well, every, every news cycle, or I don't know if it's a week or whatever, they'll say Biden ratings are all-time low. And I think, well, for as many times as they said that, how is there anyone left? Because <laughs> they say this every week, all-time low, all-time, all-time well, low. And I do, I do not understand even 37%. Are they just, yeah. they don't care? Are they just life for Democrats? Well, and the other thing that's fascinating, too, is RFK Jr. is running for president. Here's a Kennedy, anti-vaxxer, you know, has a great website. He tells the truth, kind of like Tucker Carlson. Okay, so this is a similar kind of mindset. I just want to get the truth out there. What are they going to do to him? And a lot of Americans might vote for him because he's a Kennedy mm-hmm. and represents a sort of a golden age of America. So Interesting. I, you know, but the media is going to chew him up and spit him out, I Probably. think. So I don't know what to expect there. And I've heard even conservatives say, well, I'd vote for him. I'd vote for him. So here's a wild card. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I, I'd vote for just because he stands up for a lot. He stands up for our kids. Mm. You know, he he stands against the the jabs and all that. So it's yeah. going to be an interesting cycle. Yeah, uh, it, it will know. be. It'll be fascinating. And and we don't want to get all into politics, but we have to talk about these things because whoever is elected, 
in Biden's case, the people behind him pulling the strings or up above pulling the strings, they are implementing policy through executive order, through however they can do and their party, if they have the majority, whatever happens there. So elections have major consequences. And I think we've got to, I mean, that's fun to talk about and speculate, but we've really got to get back to the local level because we're losing our, we've lost our schools, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of control locally. So I think that's a big push the local level. I mean, you don't have to worry about as much in Texas, but, but I've seen some headlines in Texas. I just saw one this morning where they're they're encouraging kids in schools to chat with really strangers um and w- the parents don't need to know about this when it if they're confused about gender I'm going who's in Texas anywhere who thought this is a good idea this is the problem that you'll find in every state it's just easier to identify in a red state but when you get into the the large cities and especially the inner cities of the large cities, so take your pick, whether it's Dallas or Houston or San Antonio, whichever, I and am. especially if it's a college town, that's always dominated by the, the academia that's there and the businesses that support the colleges and all the rest of it. So we all yeah. know how the professors, we all know how the yeah. administrations are politically, yep. and we know that they're indoctrinating the kids that go there. So that part of the city is going to be completely blue from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So Austin, any of the rest of them, it's when you get out into the, the counties that that's where it becomes red state. But that's happening in the blue states, but it's happening all throughout the blue states. It's when you get to the red ones like where I live that you're able to see and look at it in any election, look at it county by county or even precinct by precinct and look at the colors. Mm. And so our state is dark, dark red except for the cities yeah. and the closer that you get here. to city center. Same in Wisconsin. Sure. Well, yeah, Milwaukee. I, yeah, I, I once thought Appleton was a conservative. Uh, yeah. uh, Lawrence University, Lawrence. that's right. I think they, I think it was a little closer to somewhere in the middle for my most, because I've lived there my whole life mostly, except when I was, you know, just elementary, young age. But uh, it's way worse than it was. It's much more liberal than it was. Well, is it true that Austin is like the Madison of the South? It's the San Francisco of Texas is okay. what it is. Yeah. It's oh, just yeah. that kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah the, the stuff that you say or that they say and that they implement as far as public policy, you just have to ask yourself, given the empirical evidence of everywhere that this has been tried for decades, what on earth makes you think that you're going to make it work there? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. a miserable place yeah. to be if you're, unless you're just given over to the leftist view of things, you're going to hate life there. Yeah, yeah. big cities, I mean, yeah. in every state around the country, and that's that's pretty much what we find the same thing demographic wise um so let's transition now to what we wanted to talk about one of the fascinating articles uh, you've found by mark hitchcock mary <laughs> on ezekiel 38 talking about sedan and the gog coalition mm-hmm. so why is this important and uh, uh open this up for us all right well this uh when this happened about a oh, week ago or so about Sudan, I thought, okay, there's something more here than, well, everything has something more than we think. And we, we don't always know. We're just seeing the top of the iceberg. But Mark Hitchcock wrote an article, Sudan and the Gog Coalition. I mean, Sudan is in absolute disarray right now. Uh, and he says the chilling end times implications of Sudan's descent into chaos. And he opens it up by saying over 2,500 years ago, the Jewish prophet Ezekiel listed the nations that will conspire to attack Israel in the end times under the leadership of Gog. And he says, which probably means darkness. And you can mm. read Ezekiel 38, but then he says the alliance will be commanded by Russia, 
Rosh and Magog, joined by Iran, Turkey, Tubal, Tugarma, and Gomer. And these nations represent the northern arm of the alliance, and uh, they have been forging close ties, which they absolutely have. And Russia is the king of the north. But there's also um, a southern uh, division of the Gog coalition. It includes Ethiopia and Put. And Mark says this, he says, ancient Put is modern Libya, the nation to the west of Egypt. Russia is deeply enmeshed in Libya today, interesting, in a variety of capacities. Another member of the coalition is just translated as Ethiopia, which is noted by the Hebrew word Cush. In Ezekiel's day, Cush was the land south of Egypt. Today it is modern Sudan. Um, so that's what Mark uh, believes uh, that is going on there. We're talking about not necessarily looking at today's boundaries, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he says, um, Russia, okay, he explains what he believes is going on. Russia is lurking behind the chaos in Sudan, and this is exactly what we should expect in light of Ezekiel. Uh, he says there are two military factions. Um, they're wrestling for control over the city and over the country's lucrative mineral resources, especially Gold, uh, Chris, what do you think about what's going on? And also, here's another really important part of this. He says, um, uh, while the two battling factions are headed by rival Sudanese generals, there's another player that's been lurking around the shadows, a foreign country that has long had its eye on securing a port on Sudan's Red Sea coast, Russia. Hmm. Chris, what do you think about all this stuff? Whenever you read this kind of thing, and it, it's the way that, that geopolitics has been working for probably the last 20 years, but... As we all know, that that uh, chaos just loves that kind of a vacuum, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so what you find is that that country after country after country, when it begins to fail and fall apart, you have the vultures of our world kind of descend upon it. Mm-hmm. Russia and China, in particular, mm-hmm. in in the current context, so they begin to plunder the resources, right. and or they make some kind of alliance. If you, if we'll help you out with this, if you give us access to that, look at what they did in Afghanistan. And yeah. so all the rare earth minerals, a, yeah. here basically we're saying we're going to go to everything electric, and yet we're going to have to go to China to buy it. So you're either wow. either the people in our administration are either profoundly stupid or they, they're frankly so beholden to those people. Frankly, China knows where the bodies are buried when it comes to the Bidens. So if we could just be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and same goes with Russia and Ukraine and all the rest of those places. Their fingerprints are all over it. So – of course, we'll be doing the bidding of theirs in kind of more the clandestine way, but the idea that, that Sudan is in a place of absolute turmoil and the people that we're seeing going in trying to feed that mm. or to take that yeah. vacuum, yeah. wait until we find out just who's been involved with the bio lab there. Yes, yes, there's, that's another whole thing yeah. here, the bio lab <laughs> that is being seized by, yeah. well, they're saying it's Russians who have seized the bio lab there. And also, um, Russia, uh, this article also says Russia's intervention in Sudan is mainly through the Wagner Group, which is a Russian military organization mainly drawn from Russian prisons. They're the main Russian force in play in both Libya and Sudan. I mean, you know, all these things happen. We have trouble keeping up with what's going on, okay? And all these things are just coming in wave after wave that you can hardly keep up with. Well, uh, Mark Hitchcock writes, uh, Russia is lurking behind the chaos in yeah, Sudan. And it's exactly what we should expect mm-hmm. in light of Ezekiel 38. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sudan, I mean, hasn't that, I mean, they've been under like, basically civil war for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really sad. And do you think about the people there that are the innocent people and the Christians there that are getting slaughtered and it happens, and we've got to pray for them. But, man, it just doesn't seem like our media won't report on it no. fairly. And I don't know 
Yeah. Well, here's here's one other thing here too. Uh, this is kind of a big deal. Al Jazeera ran an article on April 17th, headlined "Russian Mercenaries in Sudan: What Is the Wagner Group's Role?" Subheadline explained: The Russian mercenary group has been accused of plundering Sudan's gold resources to bankroll operations in Ukraine. So. Yeah, they get their hand mm. in everything. Uh, and then it says, BRICS, here's another headline, BRICS nations buying massive amount of gold ahead of plan to dethrone U.S. dollar. Oh, the plot thickens. Um, according to an article from the Daily Hodel, H-O-D-L, um, China, which corporate media keeps telling us is broke, has added 102 tons of gold to its stockpiles since the start of the year. Tons of gold. They want to have a BRICS, which is a uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. This is a, a economic model, and um, they want to dethrone the dollar. They want a gold-backed so that the world will say, "Oh, look, you know, U.S. fiat currency is garbage. Let's have a gold-backed currency to offer the world." So, wow, it's just you know, tentacles of this are just mind blowing. So, what, where are we going to go now? We, there's, it's a kind of a lengthy article, and I don't, we don't, don't want to just read the whole thing, but there's some interesting points. They, uh, Mark quotes CNN uh, that you mentioned, and um, fulfilled prophecy. I think that's what we need to connect for people. Uh, Chris, can you help us do that a little bit? Because, obviously, the things that are going on, you, we even mentioned before we got on the air what's happening in Israel, there's been a coalition of nations surrounding them that for, I don't know, since I've been born, I think, you know, but we're seeing more and more developments. But So what's happening in Africa that we can take as far as Bible prophecy? That's the important part. The, the nice thing that we have from what Ezekiel had to say is he identifies the participants in the war that ultimately turns towards Israel. Can you mention that again, the participants? Um, in, in brief, let's just do big picture because, yeah. again, remember, in Ezekiel's time, especially when he's, he's referring back to the table of nations out of Genesis 10, so he's using the ancient of the ancient ways of identifying areas. They're not border states like we have now. Okay. So they're geographical areas that he's describing. Good so point. if you think about Israel and start to think to the north and to the east, that's the major players are mentioned there, and then you have the northern portion of Africa except for Egypt. That's who's mentioned as those who will coalesce. And the only thing that you have that really unites them, since it's not continent, it's not language, it's not even ethnicity, Islam really is the one galvanizing element that's there. So the important thing to remember is that without, without Ezekiel 36 and 37, Israel being made a nation again and coming back into the land, you don't have a reason for 38 and 39 to happen. Hmm. They don't have anything to go after if Israel's not back in the land. They were displaced for 1,900 years. So since Ezekiel puts all of that information there of who it will ultimately be, it's always just been a matter of time. Well, when will you actually see the participants begin to galvanize and become coalesced, ready to do what they're doing? So the, the Persia, Russia, all of that has been in place for a very long time. Turkey and that whole eastern part of Europe has been ready for this for a very long time. What we're seeing take shape in the northern part of Africa is what's intriguing. So now that you're starting to see these kind of things, the collapse mm. of Libya that happened under Gaddafi, that means that somebody's going to step into that breach, in this case Russia. Well, Russia has the major role from the north. So the idea that you have these alliances taking shape in our lifetime in ways we've never seen before, right, right. that's when you just go, well, that's interesting because that sh it sure moves up the timetable a bit. Well, and it all started kind of in 1948, right? That's, kind of. that's when uh, things just 
kind of became very interesting prophetically. Yes, and I don't want it to be lost on anybody that, that Russia wants that Red Sea port. That is what they are really after, and they're willing to do anything to get that. And I think they're very close to having that. And they want the natural resources right. of oil and natural gas that now have been exploited by Israel for the first time in their history, mm-hmm. and lots of it. Mm-hmm. So help me uh, understand, uh, Mark writes uh, under the prophecy fulfilled toward the very end of the article that you know, Russia is bogged down in Ukraine, and there's some uncertainty now. Uh, but he said Russia has deep developing ties with Iran, Turkey, Sudan— and Libya, and in other words, all the allies mentioned in Ezekiel 38. He said these aren't just political ties, but military and economic ones. Mm-hmm. It's hard for the average person to understand the whys unless you go to the Bible and go, okay, some of this seems like it's coming together prophetically, and the average person w- would probably not grasp the meaning of that. Yeah. And if you if you take a look at it, you, you say Ezekiel doesn't give you any of that information mm-hmm. other than you've come to take a plunder. That's all that you that you hear mentioned. Mm-hmm. So what we are, are supposed to be able to do is say we know who the participants are. So all we need to do is is look at what it is that they're saying outwardly or their actions will tell you what brings them together. So mm-hmm. it's economic, it's military, as you said. They share a common hatred of Israel, and most nations on the planet do, including ours and our current administration, and most people can't even tell you why they hate them, because it's a spiritual matter that they're blinded to. Right. That's a really good point. It is, it is almost an irrational hatred at Very times. Very much so. It can, cause, I mean, people don't even hide it anymore. <laughs> Used to, it was kind of under wraps, but now they'll just blurt it out, and they can't explain why. Mm-hmm. They couldn't. They can't defend. Oftentimes, we talked about this a little bit before in another topic. But people on the left or people with that mindset, maybe the the reprobate mind, can't defend their positions. Mm-hmm. And in this yeah. case, the hatred of Israel right. they, and not supporting Israel as a as a nation. Right. You know, and the desire to understand what's going on in the Middle East. Because when I got saved, I I would look at that and my my head would explode. You know, what, look at what at what's going on in the Middle East in general and has been for decades. You know. I, I would look at that as a young adult and go, eh, I, I can't even begin to grasp it. But then I opened my Bible. Mm. So I think believers should hopefully have an interest just by virtue of the fact that they're believers and to try and at least parse out and, and have a some kind of understanding. Go to the Bible first, of course, mm-hmm. understand what is being said there. And then I think uh, it's a lot easier to understand what's going on over there because it's complicated. Look at all the players we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Just in this short period of time, so I think as believers yeah. we should we should have a um, active understanding of how the Middle East functions if we can. In, in case we don't get a chance to do it, I'm sorry for inter- interjecting no. here, but <laughs> when you think about Ezekiel and these kind of things that we're talking about, we were talking about this between the three of us before the program started, and um, when it comes to the the whole. Ezekiel and other passages like that, the idea that nations will rise up against Israel is something that's pretty well written out as mm-hmm. far as the prophetic passages. What you don't hear much as far as the scriptures are concerned, and it's never addressed that I can think of in the most direct sense, is all the internal strife and trouble that is, is presenting a downward pressure on the government in Israel from within its own people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'll be, that's my topic for uh, when the opening of the conference is what's happening internally in their own politics, plus the the uh, the Orthodox, the religious, are starting to talk about things they've never spoken of before. They're, the revealing of the Messiah, they're hmm. reading the prophets. These kind of things are mind-blowing that this is taking place. 
So all throughout, I'll show some pictures of it, but all throughout the country, uh, there are pictures of a particular rabbi who's been dead almost 30 years. His name was Menachem Schneerson. And they believed he was the Messiah mm -hmm. at the time that he was alive. They still believe many of his the, the, the devoted followers of his, which are more now than since he died, wow. oddly mm -hmm. enough, mm -hmm. uh, believe that he'll be resurrected. And this, there's posters everywhere throughout Israel. Did he live in New York or did he live in yeah. New York? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had, uh, a lot of, he had a lot. I remember, I remember reading about him and actually kind of following in that. And then he... Then he died, and I thought, okay, now what? Well, I have a video from my, my phone that we're driving through Tel Aviv when everybody said that, you know, they're on the brink of civil war. I'm just driving down the freeway. There's no protest. There's no smoke ascending up from all the burning buildings like we do here. And uh, on the right-hand side, there's, uh, it's not a billboard. It's a banner. And it's it's done vertically. It's probably thirty to forty feet tall, right alongside the freeway of his picture, basically saying in in Hebrew, pretty much the the Messiah lives. He's and coming back. <laughs> wow! Picture. Right here. Yep. Is and I have a video of it, took it with my camera as we're driving through Tel Aviv of all places, very secular city, and uh, and there he is. Yeah, I'll show it to you. You'll see it in we, the conference. As you say, very secular city. Isn't Israel a very secular nation or? Depends on where you are. What makes Tel Aviv more? It's just metropolitan it's along the coast. So it's a place where you have a lot of foreign interest and whatnot. So pretty much what you have along the, the coast, whether you get to Naharia or you get to uh, Haifa, all of those places more in the north at Tel Aviv, mm. above Tel Aviv, it's just people go there because it's on the Mediterranean. You know, it's, it's the touristy places. So let's talk a little bit more about the internal... Uh, impact of what's going on in Israel with, uh, we haven't mentioned Benjamin Netanyahu yet. I know we've got, just got five minutes left in this segment, but I think it's important to, since we're talking about that and you brought it up, but I don't want to take away any of your thunder <laughs> no, from your no. presentation if you're going to go there. But it's fascinating to us because they don't have the same elections as we do or the type of system as, as we do. Um, and there's all this, this strife, it seems. But there are some parallels. I don't remember when we've talked about this last, Mayor, the, the parallels with America and, and Israel regarding the coalition against Netanyahu is similar to the coalition against Trump in America. Uh, so yeah. what are your, what's your take on what's happening there, and what do you think, where is this going to go? How is this meaningful? Well, let's just put it this way. When he was able to put together his coalition, uh, and I'll, I'll be going into the parties that, that joined him to get to his 62, um, they're all orthodox. So there's Likud and five other parties, all of which are orthodox. So if we were just sitting around a table the day that that was announced and we were just kicking it around, Bibi is mentioned or, or is uh, now part of his coalition is all orthodox. What do you think will happen? Well, there's going to be spiritual strife in the country because now the government is being run by the crazy people, right? <laughs> that would be like – that's like if, if – the Freedom Caucus and all of the Christians ended up getting a very heavy-handed majority in the Congress. Can you imagine the whining of the left? Oh, my goodness. It would be insane, mm -hmm. especially when they start to talk about the reforms that they would want to do. Mm. BBC sees that his new government is a, is a prophetic biblical mandate. Yeah. He's said it as much. Mm. So at the same time that he is speaking in those terms, the Orthodox are saying we're having currently discussions with the Messiah and he'll be re revealed uh, soon. And they mentioned because the Ezekiel War is coming. The rabbis are saying this. That's and, fascinating. Oh, it is. It's, it's insane because you yeah. just, this is, it's something that they've never discussed before <laughs> openly. Wow. Yeah, that's. I mean, we, there's a lot of things happening that we, I mean, didn't, wasn't it last year they flew in five, five red heifers from yeah. Texas? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the third temple, are things all ready to go 
from what we understand here. <laughs> There's just some fascinating things. The time, the timing is going to be very interesting. I know we just got two minutes left. Um, well, Mayor, what are your thoughts on that? I know you're, uh, you know, you, you like uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, yeah. and, and uh, you don't like to see what these men have to have to endure. But this is the world we live yeah. in, and, and that's the world of politics. Well, my first clue that there was a deep state in Israel was, uh, you know, when he he won, and they said the farthest right possible government in Israel in all of their history. Well, yeah, if you're if you're as left as we believe they are, yeah. everything is to the right of you. You know, I mean, perspective is everything. Uh, and I think that God puts someone in like him for a certain specific time and a certain specific purpose, and I felt that way all along. Uh, it's too bad that the judiciary has just so much power, and, and it almost doesn't even matter who they elect anymore because that Supreme Court, this is the heart of, this is the rub. They They want to be able to uh, keep that Supreme Court influenced by other nations. They want to keep that and Bibi's saying, no, we, we need to have the legislature making mm-hmm. the rules. And there so. was only four proposed amendments to the judiciary. Only four. Hmm. And it was enough to just make the whole country go bonkers, yeah. but they were going to do it anyway. Wow. Um, all right, we are going to shift gears. We're taking a break, and when we come back, we are going to be talking about artificial intelligence in a way that you may not have heard it talked about before because the, the subject is AI lawyers and what we need to know. So basically a new released AI chatbot passed the universal bar exam for, for lawyer, lawyer and impressive scores, it says. What does this mean for us? Are they going to actually be able to implement this in courtrooms and in cases and in law firms? fascinating article we're going to talk about when we come back. And this was in the News Bites, if you want to get those, at uh, Calvary Chapel, ccappleton.org. With Chris Quintana, Mary Danielson, so much more to come on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. We're back with Mary Danielson, Chris Quintana. I'm David Fiorazzo, and we need to talk about artificial intelligence. And uh, um, why are we having Chris in studio? He's going to be opening up the Prophecy Conference today, 1 o'clock, Calvary Chapel, Appleton. You can also stream online, Mayor, um, on the church Facebook page, correct? Yes, um, the church Facebook page, or we have an app, and it's super easy to use okay. and get, and uh, that's uh, a very easy way to get the entire conference. There's no charge for the stream. You want to see Pastor Chris? There's an app for that. There's an app. <laughs> okay. Not going to get a lot of people using that app, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so 1 o'clock today, and registration is closed, but you can show up in person, mm-hmm. and you it's not sold out. No. Right? So there's no. plenty of space. Yep. Okay, so it kicks off today. Mm-hmm. Um, so artificial intelligence lawyers, let's just talk about some of the bullet points before we get into the details. This is fascinating, friends. Um, recently released GPT-4. It's an AI chatbot backed by Microsoft. It passed the universal bar exam for lawyers with flying colors. All right? Number two, existing legal tech AI products are capable of quickly analyzing large amounts of case data and preparing summaries, first drafts of legal documents, as well as customized form letters. You don't even need a human to do this. Next, the competition for future legal tech profits. Uh, This is another thing that's considered 
Um, at the moment, the, the trend is to push the earlier startups, some offering affordable products for regular people, off the market and to clear the space for what they say, the sharks. Also, with the popularization of legal tech, our privacy is going to be an issue. That's going to be even more elusive than it already is. And finally, in order to stop the owners of these patents and these algorithms from defining the rules for our lives, the first step is to expel this kind of thinking uh, from the discussion now, but I don't know if we are in control or if we will have any say about this, because it seems like the elites and those who are pushing this, um, unless there are lawsuits, which we'll get into, yes. that's going to stop it. But I don't know, where, is it, where else is this going to go, Mayor? What are your thoughts? Well, I've, I've been reading a lot about AI. I'm sort of a, I like technology. I like to watch it, see where it's going. been doing that for a long time as far as the mark of the beast goes, and that technology, which has certainly advanced tremendously. But one of the things that fascinates me about this is, uh, and this woman who wrote this, her name is Tessa Lena, and she jumps right in at how she feels about the dehumanization of people, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, for AI and the cold hand of technology, as they call it. She says, can I use this opportunity to express my annoyance with the popularization of the hipster use of the word humans instead of people, as if there's ever going to be a point in time when robots grow sentient and start participating in society, not as a type of technology at the hands of whoever is in charge, but as living beings in their own right. Now, it, for decades now with sci-fi movies and whatever, they're always presenting this living thing that is sentient and can, you know, like, here we have an army and we're going to take you out and all that sort uh. of thing. And th- this, there's an ethical issue, obviously, with that, but we need to think that through because a lot of people believe that. And the people that have promoted AI, they also believe in evolution, interestingly enough. And I do believe from reading many, par- many articles on this is they believe that these creatures will evolve and become sentient, which is not possible. She says this is never going to happen, <clears throat> although the patent owners may pretend. This is nonsense and fiction. But calling people humans, and he's talking about dehumanizing people, introduces a new viewing of ourselves as though it's external through externalized mechanical eyes. It's yet another magic trick by the crazies in high chairs to disconnect us from our innate personality and our souls. And it allows uh, tyrants to bring about robot citizens and give them rights. And if you don't think they have rights, then you'll be accused of having some phobia of sort. So it's a very interesting Pandora's box mm. of people who think that they're going to take over and but. They have to have a soul. They have to have a soul and spirit. So I just wanted to get that over with out of the gate because a lot of people believe they can become sentient. Well, it's not true. Pastor Chris, a lot of people are still hearing us talk about this and they're still thinking that's, that's science fiction. That's Hollywood movies. And in their own words, the AI passing the bar exam, we did no specific training for these exams. Exams were sourced from publicly available materials. Exam questions included multiple choice and free response questions. Yeah. And the AI yeah. got in the top 10%. Yeah. What's up with so that? what are your thoughts on this and where could this go? Where, what do you see as far as dangers? And um, we'll get into some scores, which is very interesting in a minute. We need to re- recognize that anything that, that AI could produce is either going to be stuff, stuff that's just simple black and white like law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't have any opinion to it, it's not going to be that difficult for mm-hmm. it to create something like this because right. it's either black or it's white. So give it that kind of an option, and, of course, it's going to do really well with the bar exam. Where I see this as being just really insidious 
is if you give it a topic, because again, it's only going to go by what's in available information, and most everything that's in print is going to be slanted left mm -hmm. in the total of things. But the one thing that AI can do is it can make an argument without emotion. So most people that you'll, you'll read, say from the left or from the right, in their writing, you can't get away from the emotion that they might have because they, they detest what's being done on the other side. Yeah. AI doesn't care about emotion. It's only going to take what's available, formulate an opinion, and be able to express that opinion without emotion. Mm. So you're going to take something that, that most people might, well, many people would maybe read something from the emotional side of it and just tune out because it's like, okay, now it's personal with you. With AI, it's not personal, it's not emotional. So it'll make the leftist <laughs> cause sound really, really plausible and yeah. good because it's only going to take what it gets without the emotion. That's interesting that you say that. And part of me thinks, okay, at some point what's programmed comes out. But in this case, apparently that was not programmed. They just take the available information. Yeah. But I did hear, was it one of these things with GPT-4 or something? Um, someone did a test and asked them questions about Barack Obama versus uh, President Trump, Donald Trump. And the Obama was just glowing and raving, and the Trump was very uh, negative and uh, critical. And that was an AI. That was very interesting. So something had to be programmed in there because it just didn't all of a sudden decide what worldview it, <laughs> it wanted to right. go by. Right. Well, and I, Chris and I were talking on the way over here about uh, Revelation 13.15, and we're thinking – Okay, I want to talk to John. Which is what? what? Did, oh, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read okay. it in a second here. Um, <laughs> I want to talk to John and see what he saw, okay, because talk about foreign. In uh, this, it says, and he had the power to give life, the Antichrist, unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause to be killed as many who, was not, who would not worship the image of the beast. So, AI, I mean, I would, that would be where I would go with that. And so I'm fascinated. At what point does the technology outrun Revelation, too? So hmm. how close are we with something that simple? And we wanted to see what that meant uh, for a long time. And when I read articles like, like this, that's what I think of is Revelation 13, um, that there will be something that will come to life and it'll speak and it'll it'll give decrees that people should be killed. So that, to me, that's kind of the end game of all this. And we meet, need to remember one other part of this, too. It's going to take whatever information is available but whenever you program it or tell it what you want, you also have your finger on the scale because you can say, don't say anything or don't include anything that could be good or bad from the position that we really ultimately want you to, to produce. Mm. So when you give it parameters, you can make it have a probably a more convincing argument for a particular position than anybody else could do on their own. Because again, like I say, you can remove the emotion from it and you can give parameters that really doesn't present the other side. Yeah. So it's not going to be able to present a balanced view, especially based on everything that's available to that AI, so thus Trump and Obama. Because look at the press that they had during their presidency. What's out? Oh, my goodness. Sure. I, I mean, you want to go do some comparisons, even on Biden and Trump now, go to mrc.org, Media Research Center, and they put these graphics up where the amount of uh, positive stories on one president versus the amount of negative and the amount of uh, i mean i think it was 153 to zero biden versus trump 
Um, so Biden got all the positive press. Trump got all the, you know. Yeah. So I want to get back to something she said, though, in this article, my favorite bit. Cybersecurity researchers have also expressed concern that generative AI could allow bad actors, even governments, to produce far more disinformation than before. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, government's spreading misinformation? Where would we ever see that happen? Yeah. But that's in America. So, again, what you said, Chris, that information is out there. What was censored or shut down as misinformation, whether it was about COVID or the vaccine or about Trump or about the Biden crime family, you know, whatever misinformation was not allowed to be, Hunter's laptop, not allowed to be talked about, off limits, though that the AI would say, okay, well, that's, look at the the media reports on this, that would be misinformation then. Mm -hmm. So bad actors, even governments to produce more disinformation, basically propaganda. Yeah. Yeah, and you can do deep fakes, and this has been around a while, too. You can actually present someone, and you can't tell that that's not them, saying whatever it is you want them to say. You can present somebody. You can have a deep fake mm-hmm. of Trump or whoever's running for president wow. and say, well, look what they said. You can't vote for him. You know, the guy's crazy. And it wasn't him at all. It's very dangerous territory mm-hmm. that, we're, that sure. we're in. And you have to ask yourself when you really read the the passages that talk about the things that the Antichrist will be able to do in the world that that will exist at that time, how do you manipulate and control so many people seemingly willingly? Well, Mm. if you can convince them of things that are not even reality, independent of the the intervention that would happen by the agency of the Holy Spirit to the believer, you're going to believe whatever's put there. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to be a very difficult thing. And here's what's weird. If we were... We couldn't have had this discussion 10 or 15 years ago because it wasn't really in place. Now we're yeah. talking about things that back then you would have thought, okay, it's plausible. That but was in a sci-fi imagine. movie. Yeah. 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 Wow. And now it's happening. Kind of like when we were growing up, I'm dating ourselves, the Jetsons. Remember? George Jetson would see that, you you know, you answer the, the door, you could just put up a video screen and then you can see the person outside your door. Ring and all these yeah. doorbell, you know, security yeah. systems. You can see the person, and you don't even have to be home. Yeah. You can watch it from somewhere else. You can see outside your door. That's yeah. the Jetsons. Anyway, <laughs> well, just really quick. <laughs> see, you're you're thinking of, of more of the the butterflies and fluffy bunnies. I was saying it's more like the Terminator movies. That's kind of more what it felt yeah. like. Unicorns and butterflies. Yeah. Yeah. All right, before before we get into another possible conspiracy theory, if we have time. Regarding maybe AI population control and really the actual dwindling uh, population of America and how it's happening. We're going to touch on that, I think. And there's an article that I'm going to pick up on Monday. In this article on the AI that we were talking about, do not pay. That was an interesting part of this. Um, It was software designed to help people write effective responses and letters to fight unjustly issued Mm -hmm. tickets, cancel subscriptions, and so on. And they started receiving significant investor funding. And January of this year, the company announced that their AI would act as an informal attorney in court helping their client fight a speeding ticket. So what happened was, that I, apparently the guy uh, just put this out. Good morning. This name is Joshua Browder. Bad news. After receiving threats from the state bar prosecutors, it seems likely they will put me in jail for six months if I follow through with bringing a robot lawyer into a physical courtroom. Do not pay is postponing our court case and sticking to consumer rights. Hmm. 
So it's it's interesting. They were trying to do that, and and I'm sure it's going to happen somehow. Uh, we'll, we'll find out how this works. But uh, the company was sued for quote practicing law without a license. Well, and it's interesting because what they had they they were having the 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 robot actually speak through a phone. Uh, to the person in court, uh, to the defendant. Almost, almost like you had an earpiece. Like right? an earpiece. So instead of addressing the court, the program, which would run on a smartphone, would supply appropriate responses yep. through an earpiece to the defendant who can use them in the courtroom. So, yeah, my lawyer is, is in my earpiece, this little, little AI guy. and uh, That's cheating. It, it, That's cheating. Well, before we, we were on the program, we were discussing this, and I had said I, I wouldn't be surprised if Merrick Garland is a robot. <laughs> And you can't prove me wrong. I've watched his eye twitch when he talks. I'm wondering. So there's a little there's short. That. There's a short in there causing that twitch. Yeah, there's a spark too because I was. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, and and here's how the article ends because. Do you see that spark when Biden speaks? Though is there is no there a twitch no. or a spark? I just I see it more the eye that looks like a light going off and on. It kind of flickers. It's, Wasn't that a movie Short Circuit with a little robot? Wasn't that a movie in the eighties? Short Circuit. That's right. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Well, you know she opens up she, she opens up the article talking about you know what is the nature of humanity. What is the nature of humans? And this is how it closes. She says, remember the question I asked in the beginning. What is the point of our time on earth? And what are we doing with our civilization if our lives are so mechanical that even a dumb, fast calculator, Texas Instruments, can do our intellectual work more efficiently than we do? What is our work? Um, and so there, that is that is an important question. Um, you know, she's, and then she says, I think the existential role of the horrible Great Reset is to make that algorithmic poison so big, so obvious to our eyes that we can't be in denial anymore, and we have to rebel against the abuse of our souls because we're more than a collection of formulas. We are more than algorithms. Oh, Lord, help us. Um, what if, to wrap up this uh, article, I love what we've been talking about, and I first heard it from John Haller, what's happening Gradually, then suddenly. So what's happening, like I think of Antonio Gramsci when his prison notebooks kind of gave marching orders to the Marxists to take down America by trying to eradicate the wall of uh, Christianity, right? The Judeo-Christian worldview in America. How do you do that? And his goal was to send minions to into a long progressive march through the major institutions in America to break down this religion, the Christianity in America over the decades, over the generations, and they have had tremendous success. So it happened gradually. They got into the universities, academia, public schools. They got into government, corporations, right? Gradually, then suddenly. So if you're living in the last five or ten years, you're thinking, wow, where did all this come from? It was gradual, decade by decade. They, they, as Curtis Bowers, grinding America mm -hmm. down. But um, before I get into my conspiracy theory on how they want to depopulate America, you were laughing about something, uh, Chris. Did someone plug in your name into this, uh, this yes. <laughs> artificial intelligence? So what do they think of you? Well, Crash, <laughs> Crash decided to come in and put this in front of me. <laughs> and so he asked the question, is, is Pastor Chris Quintana a reliable source for Bible teaching? And... Uh, and the AI had this to say, I do not have enough information about that person to help with your request. I'm a large language model, and I am uh, I am able to communicate and generate human-like text in response to why. Basically, it's I don't even know who that guy is. 
So <laughs> that's I, a good thing. You're on. The yeah, it, it you're not on the radar yet. Yeah. Well, so that's oh, no. I, had to, oh. I had to try something. That's it. What did AI say to this? Oh, this is a, write a short poem. I don't know. This is me writing or reading it for the first time. Is this even a wise thing for it, me to it, do? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just try it. Okay. Live radio, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is a live podcast. I'm terrified of this. We'll you were hearing write it for a short the first poem time. for my friend, Pastor Chris Quintana. View other drafts. Sure. Uh, here's a short poem for your friend, uh, Pastor Chris Quintana. So, Pastor Chris, a man of God who speaks the truth with wisdom, grace, and leads his flock, a man of faith, uh, he is a light in darkness of this world. He is a friend, a guide, a mentor, always there to lend a helping hand. He is a blessing to all who know him, a true man of God. Wow. And so, talk about generic, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... That is, it's a but, Hallmark card. Is but what you would is. see that, you, you would see that and go, okay, so that person knows Pastor Chris. And yet it's so generic. Because, you know, the, the, yeah. you could plug in anybody's name about, you know, if, if it's going to be somehow make it favorable about a pastor, that would be said of anybody you could plug in. Could be. So there's nothing personal in that. There's nothing that, that yeah. distinguishes me from anyone else in that, in that search. Fascinating. That, yeah, it's kind of fascinating. So. Okay. So, um, now I'm in the last six minutes. I'm just going to, a couple of headlines and facts about where we're going on Monday in the second half of the podcast. And I'm going to mention, uh, we're going to listen to some audio from Tucker Carlson on Monday, because he was right on in a speech he gave just last week to the Heritage Foundation. But I want to bring in, we're talking about AI, and we mentioned before we got on the air, these, if you guys, if you saw the creepy video with the artificial wombs, they can make make babies now. They can make, what, you know, not human beings, but a Whatever. Yeah. Counterfeit human beings. They're, they could develop an army. And then now we're talking about AI. And mm-hmm. what would they possibly want to do that for? And Planned Parenthood is, um, as you know, they've been in the depopulation business since Margaret Sanger founded the American Birth Control League. You probably don't realize this. You've, you probably thought, okay, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yay, let's move on. But Planned Parenthood um, received $670 million from taxpayers last year. They got a raise. How did that happen? Well, the Biden administration came in and said, no, nope, I know Trump wanted to uh, do this uh, protect life rule, which prevented Planned Parenthood from receiving this increased funding through Title X grants. And the Biden regime, they know, know how big that abortion lobby is. So this is something that it's, it is a worldview war. It is life and death. It is God versus man. And we're seeing this played out in one of the major issues, and that would be abortion. Uh, so Planned Parenthood, what, what am I talking about? Well, they are also stepping deeply into transgender hormones. Wait a minute. Stop. Margaret Sanger was a feminist, an adulterer, a socialist, and an atheist. She was also a radical. She worked with some people affiliated with Hitler's staff and the, the eugenicists there. And she kind of got that movement going, the birth control movement. What would, so now what would the modern Planned Parenthood have to do with transgender hormones? What would be their interest? So we're going to talk about that. But, Pastor Chris, I'm just going to get your overall thoughts. First of all, they're raking in a lot of money. Federal funding, they, they, I think they're worth over $2.7 billion in total assets, but they get over a half a billion from taxpayers to do really what we consider murder, the eliminating human lives in mothers' wombs, and it is a tragedy that this is going on, and we don't hear much about it at all. So when it comes to the hormones, though, transgender hormones, what could be the connection with all this we're talking about? To me, I think it's a pretty obvious answer. Um, they, well, not to a lot of people because they don't think about these things. Wait, and once you once you hear it said, oh, okay, I get it. 
Um, since Roe versus Wade, the number of abortions are already starting to be on the decline. So if you're not able to abort as many as you did before, how then can you still get to that goal of, of reducing the population? Make children infertile through hormone or through you know, mutilation of their, of their bodies where they cannot procreate. So, okay, you can't, do it, you can't do it after pregnancy. How about you make it where they cannot get pregnant anyway, and you're doing that to the younger generation that's really lining up to have it done mm-hmm. because they've been told that you're not really, there's no, there is no gender. That's a, that's a social construct. <laughs> so you can choose whatever gender you want to be. Mm-hmm. And, we, again, we were talking about this before the program. When we start to say that there is something other than male or female, then we're, we're no longer talking about biological things. It becomes a matter of psychology because it's an illness. Mm-hmm. If you're going to identify as something that your DNA says you are not, you're talking about mental illness. Mm-hmm. It's not biology. Yeah. Well, that's what the American Psychological Association uh, designated transgenderism as a mental illness until 2013 when they got pressure from the LGBTQ lobby to now say, oh, it's uh, gender dysphoria. They changed it. Mm-hmm. The APA. They did. I'm talking about that tomorrow. They did the same thing with homosexuality. Mm-hmm. That was 1973. When and at that time there was enough pressure to get the APA to change. But what about the vaccine? There is more cases of infertility mm-hmm. off the charts since the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So here comes another element that we say: Are these things? Could these things all be working together? Uh, Mary, your thoughts yeah, on that? Absolutely, they are. <clears throat> They're not just taking one way to depopulate, depopulate or dehumanize. I mean, remember, the enemy of our souls hates humans, hates that they're made in God's image, will mm. do anything to destroy God's creation, will do anything to drag people into hell. And the war is on because the hour is late. So the war is on for people and dehumanizing, destroying our kids, destroying women. You know, uh, it's... I, I tend to just want to look at it that way, but they're doing everything they can to make all that possible and strong delusion. You just summed up my presentation about Uh-oh. the enemy of our soul hates anything to do yeah. with God's image. You had mentioned just a moment ago, I know that we're getting late in the program. Two minutes, a minute had, and a half. Okay, well, you had <clears throat> mentioned that it goes from that, that slow creeping direction to all of a sudden it jumps. Exactly what Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Mm -hmm. He was not giving you a timetable of chronology. He was saying that when it begins to happen, it will happen rapidly. That's really good. So that it's just it's more evidence that that that's where we are. So one minute, Chris, give people some encouragement on how to discern these times. Sure. Yeah. Um, through a biblical prism, because if you're looking for some good news in the world, you're not going to find it. Mm. Um, there is only good news in the person of Jesus Christ and what he offers beyond this world, because we are here but for a short amount of time in the overall scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, if your hope is in this world, you will be hopeless. Mm. Wow. Can you imagine? A lot of people have that don't believe in God, don't believe in Jesus, are not saved. They have their hope in people, politics, possessions. Mm-hmm. Or performance works, works, works. That's uh, that's that's pretty uh, encouraging when you think that we have an eternal hope, a blessed mm-hmm. hope, and we have truth that we can go to, mm-hmm. and we can actually understand what's mm-hmm. what has happened in the past. We can know why th- or what's going on now. We can have a lens into the future where most people are clueless about some of these things we're talking about. We're yeah. connecting dots here. Right. Where a lot of people are, their so heads are spinning. Yeah. When right. they read the headlines or they right. talk about what's happening, this worldview war it is, is a clash of worldviews. Anyway, 
I want to tease uh, what's coming up. First of all, tomorrow, the Prophecy Conference, uh, I'll be there at 9 a.m. It kicks off today, 1 o'clock, with Pastor Chris, and then uh, a lot of other great speakers today, Calvary Chapel, Appleton. You can go. It is not sold out. It, you can register at the door in person. Uh, tomorrow, I'm sorry, Monday, Dr. Tim Murphy's got a book out called The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma. Uh, Tuesday, Dr. Ingrid Skop. She's the Vice President and Director of Medical Affairs with the Charlotte Lozier Institute. We're going to talk about the abortion pill and so many other things. It's I think we're going to keep that theme on Tuesday, Mayor. And then um, Trevor Loudon, Wednesday, Thursday, Chuck Gerard, rock and roll preacher. That's the mm-hmm. book. Yep. Uh, Chuck Gerard, classic. We'll talk about the Jesus Revolution a little bit more. And Friday, another troublemaker for the kingdom, John Leffler. Uh, so what a week, what a loaded week to kick off yes. May with. But guys, thank you so much. Pastor Chris, great having you in studio again. Uh, God bless you, friends. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.